what the situation was. So I, I probably wouldn't be upset about giving him some because I knew I was going to beat him anyway. Episode 52, Tank Slapping Podcast. Coming in hot this week. Got a big, big show planned. Other side of the line, Robbie Bobby McClendon. What's up, man? How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. But I got to tell you, with our guest this week, I am at an all-time high right now. I'm like a freaking kid in a candy store. And you know me. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, this might be one of our most looked-forward-to shows of all time. Our guest for tonight is Kenny Roberts. So really don't need much of an introduction. Legendary, flat track, road race, Grand Prix, Daytona 200 winner, three-time three-time Grand Prix 500cc champion. Really stoked to add him to our list of world champions on this show. We've had Schwanzi, we've had Wayne Rainey, and now we get Kenny Roberts, Rob. It's going to be a good one. Kenny is a very entertaining guy. Oh, my God. The king. Nothing else said. I mean, ever since the infamous TZ750, there's been nobody else in my I, in my eyes. I mean, other than I'd put Nikki up there just because, you know, he's this, was roughly the same age as me, but – but God, dude, King King Kenny Roberts, man, you can tell by the, my demeanor, I'm like chomping at the bit to to pick this guy's brain. And hopefully he doesn't hang up on me because that means he's gonna hang up on you too. But uh, I'm gonna do my best not to piss off the king. But I'm super excited to get some insight. Yeah, and I've actually I, I met Kenny once when I was younger at like one of the AIM expos, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't remember, but. Um, I don't know him that well. I know a lot of people that have spent time with him and got to hang out with him. And, um, but I personally, I've never got to chat with him too much. So just excited to kind of meet the guy and, uh, yeah, pick his brain too, as a, as a racer, just, uh, get some insight from a guy of his, uh, credibility. I mean, like you said, he's on almost everybody's Mount Rushmore of best American motorcycle racers, probably of all time. Um, you know, from the flat track to the road racing, just phenomenal changed the changed the way they did they do road racing in europe like he pretty much changed the game and and we'll uh, we'll talk with him about that but i know his style of going in the corners kind of steering it with the rear wheel was something that wasn't done in grand prix racing until he got there and he sort of innovated it so much that he kind of paved the way for from what i've heard guys wearing knee pucks um it wasn't really done until kind of kenny roberts went over there and 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 kind of paved that way a little bit and then just um pretty much everybody after him they all had for at least another decade all you know some sort of flat track background in their racing rob yeah for sure i mean just you you just touched on so many valuable uh tidbits of of just the enormity of king kenny but the uh i mean what other guy so he quit racing obviously you know he had enough for the most part and then he builds his own MotoGP bike. And I think like Roland Sands has one that's just like kind of Roland Sands modified, but who else is like, all right, well, I'm done racing. So I'm just going to design my own engine, my own frame and everything. And then of course they change the rules. And then of all people, Honda sells him a motor and then he builds a bike with a Honda motor and does really well against, you know, the best of the best with, uh, with his other riders on it, but just, Oh my gosh. And then, I think he had like one of the first ever flat track schools where GP riders would go over to Europe and they would 
train on freaking Woods Road Taxes. I mean, how badass is that? You know, you go over there and nowadays a road tax is like the holy grail of like the old school dudes like, oh, I got to have Woods Road Tax. And he had like a fleet of them. I mean, God, back in the day, like just one Woodrow tax was expensive. I mean, I bet Tim Essenson is just like drooling, thinking about a whole fleet of training bikes made from Wood Essenson or Woodrow taxes. I mean, wood just... road tax. Yeah, no, nah, he's done a lot. We'll, we'll get him on and we'll chat with him and just try and get as much out of him as we can without <laughs> without just annoying the guy. But, uh, so yeah, fanboy. Yeah, I try not to be, man. Just uh, it's it's hard for somebody like uh, like Kenny, but. I want to make sure we shout out our sponsors that make this show happen week in and week out. Without them, this wouldn't be possible. And uh, we really appreciate their support. Bell Power Sports, they've been with us since day one, uh, supporting our podcast. We appreciate them. Check them out at bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. The quality and safety is unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. I had a couple fans ask me what helmet I wear when I'm flat tracking, and it's the Race Star Flex DLX. So make sure you check that out. Moto America, the Moto America series. We are, we are huge fans of what they have going on, their social media channels. Check out their, their events and find a race near you. Their first one is coming up soon, Road Atlanta. If you can't make the event, check them out on motoamerica.com. Subscribe to the Live Plus package. The coverage is excellent. You know, Superbikes, Twins Cup, Super Sport, the KTM, uh, well, the Junior Cup, it's called a lot of different classes that are, uh, are really, really entertaining to watch the bagger class they're going to have at, at some events this season. Uh, just, they're really, really um, putting a stamp in, in road racing here in America and uh, some really fast riders, talented individuals, even guys from overseas coming over to, uh, to race the Moto America series says a lot about what they have going on. So check them out on social media, motoamerica.com. Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield, commercialroofsystems.net with nearly 40 years of experience. Jerry keeps the sport going. He's a big supporter of our podcast. We really appreciate Jerry. And then also Dunlop Motorcycle Tires. They are the official tire of the American Flat Track Series. Check them out, dunlopmotorcycletires.com. Rob, we're going to do a Dunlop Tire giveaway for this show. I'm going to give away a set of brand new Dunlop flat track DT4 tires. Um, all you got to do after listening to this podcast is up until I'm going to say a week from when the podcast is posted, post on your Instagram stories, a photo of your bike outfitted in Dunlop tires. So just tag the tag, the podcast at tank slapping podcast tag at Dunlop. Um, I want to make sure I can see them, get the entries and I'm going to give away a winner a brand new set of Dunlop tires, courtesy of our sponsor, Dunlop Motorcycle Tires. So a brand new, let's say R5 front and F5, I'm sorry, R5 rear and F5 front. <laughs> uh, we're going to give you guys a brand new set of tires. So yeah, go on there, post your post your, your motor your motor whips with the uh, Dunlop tires, and we're going to give away a set of tires, Rob. Now, should we, should we, just to clarify, should we ask, did they send the pictures of like their dirt track bike with Dunlops? Because you know you're gonna get a whole bunch of Harley pictures and guys that probably I'm wouldn't leave even. It open. I'm gonna leave All right, it open. well, I'm just uh, saying I would really love for the tires to actually go to a racer that would need them instead of just some dude with a badass looking Harley bagger. He's got Dunlops on it, but so he's got. Uh, don't tires. be that guy. How about that? We'll be. Don't be that guy. It, there you go. You have a flat track bike, but yeah, whatever, whatever photo you think it will catch our attention or or something along the lines. There, I'm gonna pick a winner. Um, Make it creative too. 
Yeah, be creative. A brand new set of tires. I mean, that's you know awesome. So yeah. appreciate it. I'm going to go one step further because you touch on this all the time. So be creative, market yourself, catch Corey Texter's eye because, you know, you have a pretty good eye for that kind of stuff. So if you can catch on to Corey Texter in marketing, then you've gotten his attention. So don't just post a picture and say, hey, here's my 2008 CRF 450. Give me some free shit. You know, make it yep. cool. Exactly. Yep. We love to see that stuff. So yeah, appreciate our sponsors for coming on. Uh, let's let's get Kenny on the line here, Rob. Let's let's talk to the king himself and and get some insight. Let's let's get it started. Let's do it. Hello, Kenny. How are you doing, Corey Texter, Rob McClendon? Uh, I'm doing okay. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I, I I met you a long time ago at one of the AIM expos. I was I was pretty young, but um, to actually bring you on and talk about your racing career a little bit, it's uh, I'm we're glad to have you. It's an unfiltered podcast, so uh, we want to get some insight from uh, your amateur days, dirt track, and then moving into the Grand Prix stages. So uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Okay, no problem. So Kenny, yeah, I just um, a lot to talk about, obviously, but I pretty much want to get into kind of how how things started, I guess. You know, that's a little cliche, but how did it all start for you and your racing career? Um, obviously, most most of the fans know you. You uh, you started racing flat track. Lodi Cycle Bowl was one of one of your local tracks. How did that all get started? How did you get drug into the uh, the racing motorcycles? I was actually working for. Uh a horse trainer to be a jockey and the kids where he had the horses got a taco mini bike for Christmas. And as I was walking from the trailer to the horses, they said, Hey, try this, try this mini bike, try the mini bike. And I said, no, no, thanks. And I just kept walking. And then of course one of them said, Oh, you scared? You're a chicken. And, uh, it scared the shit out of me. And I went home and built one. So that's kind of how it all started. Hold, hold, hold the fucking phone here for a second. You mean to tell me that we were like one ride away or one potential not ride away from King Kenny on Seabiscuit as opposed to King Kenny on the Yamaha? Uh, at that point, yes. Yeah, Holy. With that, I, I rode that thing. It just scared the shit out of me. And I thought, God, I, and, it, and it just something went off. I said, I got I to gotta learn to do that. <laughs> so a mini bike scared you, but a horse didn't. I had an unfortunate experience on my ex-wife's horse. The handlebars were loose, as you know, and the throttle, there was no way to shut it off. So that was all it took for me to decide that uh, that, that was not for me. Well, I was, uh, I used to train all the little neighborhood girls, Shetlands, because uh, they were kind of rambunctious. And I, of course, I'd take them about a block away and, eat the crap out of them and ride ride through it and they come back and everybody said wow you're so wonderful with the horses like a horse whisper with a whip so i was uh yeah i'm not very patient well you grew up in california and from what i understand you actually raced a lot at lodi was that sort of the track that you kind of cut your teeth on well there was Lodi Cycle Bowl, there was Sacramento Raceway, so Lodi would be Friday night, Sacramento Saturday nights, uh, short track, both of them, 
And then once in a while, Lodi would have a Sunday race. So it was kind of uh, within about an hour, you know, uh, hour and a half from the house is where I rode. Then as so, things progressed, I started branching out uh, to the big town of uh, Hayward. So, uh, yeah, it, that's how it all started. So what was that, like ADCCs type bikes? Like what, what are we talking about when you say you just started in racing then? What were well, you riding I started, on? I started with a 50cc Tahatsu uh, that never finished a race. <laughs> I, raced it, I raced it three times. And, and I branched out. Uh, someone was going in the Navy and raced a Hodaka 90, and he had to sell it. And I think I paid 250 bucks for it, something like that. And, uh, that, that's when I started, uh, actually finishing races unless I fell off, uh, one race at load ITT, I fell off three times in the heat race and, and got second. So that, that was sort of the, you know, start of the, the deal. And of course, number one at that time in our area was a great guy named Ray Huff. My dad said, can I buy you a cup of coffee? And he said, why, why? He goes, I got to do something with my kid. He falls off all the time. He said, yeah, but he's fast. He said, when he learns how not to fall off, he'll, he'll be fast. <laughs> so that's, that's how it started. Sounds like the exact same thing I said to Sammy Halbert many years ago. <laughs> he had the same, oh. same TT experience too. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it's one of them things where I, I was just balls out and uh, – uh, you know, the tires weren't great and the, it, I figured it out from time to time and, and started, uh, getting trophies and then kissing trophy girls. <laughs> well, moving up to your, your professional, you know, you know, you were, you came on the scene hot. I think, I think you won, was it your first professional race that you won the Houston Astrodome? Um, so you came on, you came on hot, like you came on and you were, you were, competitive right away um where did that confidence come from like you know watching uh, the pro guys obviously and then having that confidence to go up there and and take their lunch money right away how did you how did you get that sort of confidence shit i don't know uh the the first professional race was in the cow palace at san francisco and i raced against experts uh it's novice uh, junior and expert at that time in the indoors and I and I got third and I made the trophy dash which is the four fastest people and and that just clicked everybody went oh who who's that and of course it, things went on from there um, my sponsor was Bud Axlin and he had a little motorcycle shop in Manteca and was kind of a father figure to me and he goes I've got to get you a sponsor because you know you're you need one you know, because I can't afford to take you to Ascot or any place like that. So along came Jim Doyle and that uh, he had the bikes I needed and he had the money and he said, I'll sponsor you. And the way we went, he gave me $50 and a van and a Chevron credit card. And that, what, that's how we started. So what, what I got to know, what, what was the first bike? I know it wasn't obviously, uh, you know, a, a XS650, but what was, uh, what was the bike that you started on? The, it was, well, I, I did the Kapos with a Suzuki Savage 250, which nobody had one. They were kind of heavy and awkward. And uh, then I got a Suzuki 250 twin. It's, 
X6 Hustler. Hustler, yep, yep. And, and the rigid frame, and it was, at that time, it was what everybody used. It was either a Yamaha engine or a, a Suzuki. That's yeah, I kind of know you from your early career, you know, taking that X, XS650 and just being super competitive with it. And it kind of got me, I've, I've always wanted to ask you how it, it's, it seemed obvious from, from watching old footage and then talking with people that, um, that got, cause I wasn't born yet, but I've watched a lot of the, uh, a lot of the film and things like that. How hard was it to compete against that Harley, um, honestly, like, what was it like, you know, as far as the, like we had Steve Moorhead on the show and we asked him who was, who was the greatest ever do it. And he said, Kenny Roberts, you know, he was on a Yamaha that just wouldn't, wouldn't work quite like the Harley and you were still able to get the job done. So talk about that a little bit, the, um, the struggles of getting that bike to kind of compete against that Harley. Uh, well, I had to, uh, because the, president of triumph said i was too small to ride a big bike so what a dipshit yeah well <laughs> i had to i had to then i signed with yamaha because obviously there was only uh harley and you know i wasn't a harley kid at that time and uh bsa and triumph and i was too small obviously to ride one of them so i had to go to yamaha and i don't know i just got on it we built it in about two weeks. I went to Houston, uh, fastest guy on the, in the junior class. And I won the junior 250, the short track for Yamaha. And then I started winning. Why? Well, I don't know how many I won, but I set a record for winning half miles and miles on a Yamaha, which had only won one race to my knowledge, uh, before I got on them. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, the Yamaha, I don't know. I think it probably made me tougher in a way. You know, I, ha I had to ride it really better. I couldn't, I couldn't stand being fifth or sixth riding around on a groove. So it was high, wide, and handsome. And, you know, I'd, I'd be fifth, and then I'd work my way back to 13th and then work my way back up to fifth again. So uh, it, it actually trained me to ride the four-cylinder Andy, uh, doing all all that dirt track stuff. I mean, it, I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't stand riding around following a Harley on a notch that's a foot wide. Uh, it just, well, you can ask Chuck Brothers. He, he, he just, why do you do that? Uh, that's what I do. <laughs> so there's so, no explanation for it. It's just the way I'm built. Well, I think that's, that's obviously commendable. And, and like the old saying goes, you know, it's, it's, if you have lesser equipment, it does teach you to be a, a better rider for when you do get the top notch equipment, it's probably like a f breath of fresh air. But so moving ahead real quick, the, um, the thing that everybody's got to know, cause it's like the most famous phrase in racing, at least flat track wise they don't pay me enough to ride that thing let's 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 set the record straight now because there was there's so many arguments out there and i i want to just for my well, i'll be selfish for my own good but i know a lot of people want to know a could they have paid you more to ride that thing because it got banned but do you feel like with some more data and some more you know technology 
could that have been a real threat or was it just Kenny's night that night that he won? Like, or well, open up the checkbook and I'll ride it some more. No, it, it wasn't really anything to do with the money. Although I did say that phrase, uh, it, it was something more to do with safety and that there was a time in that race uh, that's not on film because Harley said, don't get that yellow bike on the film because they paid for it to be filmed. But I had other plans. And when I got up to the front, they couldn't ignore it. So I flicked the thing sideways going into turn one and Mert Lawwell and Gary Scott, I think they were about fifth or sixth. And I flicked this thing sideways and I was about oh, probably 20 yards, 30 yards behind them. But I'm doing 150 mile an hour. They're probably doing 120. And Mert decided to go to the outside. And I freaked out because I couldn't stop it. And had Mert not went far enough to the outside, I went by both of them sideways. Uh, I could not have stopped that bike. And you can't turn it at that point. Had Mert not went that far out, I would have hit Mert. No, no question about it. And he remembers it quite well. And, and the thing was, if there was 10 of them out there uh, against the slower bikes, that probably wasn't going to be a good way. And if anybody got killed, it probably would have been me by somebody else. So it, it was, we really didn't need that at that time. But had we went ahead with it, uh, had I not seen how dangerous the damn thing was, uh, it would have killed Hardy. There's no doubt. Goodyear, at that point, we were started to develop the dirt track tire for that machine. Interesting. And that's how the dirt track tire, that, that's how the dirt tracker actually got made, is because we used the rain tire at San Jose, and I won the heat race with it. But it it wouldn't have done the main event because it it was it was too soft. But it, if that 19 inch tire that I rode at Indy on that thing was three times better than than when I raced it. See, As a matter of fact, you you'll see pictures of me struggling to get the thing down. Wow, yeah, yeah that's... never had that with uh, the old DT tires. That's that's yeah, so true. I I on a shells with the old DT, and the new dirt track tire. I was like, man, this thing. And, and matter of fact, coming out of two, the second lap, it, I came across a black groove, and it hooked up and pushed the front probably twenty yards, and I was like, wow, that's like, well, that's maximum hookup. Well, you never got that on the motorcycle. Um, when I, when I raced it, see, that's another point that you just made. I don't even know if you realize it, but think about it. If you will, if the TZ was available to a whole bunch of guys that didn't have your skill level, you probably single-handedly saved several lives yourself just by your, your input on that. Because I can tell you right now, you know, I'm decently fast, but I'm nowhere near skilled enough to handle one of those bikes. But if I was able to, of course, you know, I'm going to want to buy whatever Kenny Roberts just won on. So sign me up and then boom, you know, a lesser rider might've cleaned out Mert and himself and who knows what could have happened. So that's not a lot of people know that information. That's, that's so, 
Wow, that's awesome. So well, nobody asked the question. That's why they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Corey and I, we've got we've we're definitely inquisitive, but like that's that's just one of those things, man. It's just it's so cool to get firsthand info because I'm sure you've heard and seen everybody has their opinion, and and if everybody that was actually at that race that says they were at that race, there would have been five hundred thousand people there. So you got to feed through the weed through yeah. the bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But but even today, if I do a function somewhere, you'll get one or two people come. I was at the mile, and that's all they say. Uh, that's all they say. I was at the mile, and that that's kind of uh, nod my head and go, "Wow, oh, cool." You know, of course they're <laughs> old and they got crutches and stuff, but but they probably were there. <laughs> Well, some of the guys you raced with, you know, Corky Keener, Jay Springsteen, uh, you mentioned Mert, obviously Mert Lawwell and uh, Gene Romero. But I, I would, you know, from what I've, I've, from what I know and what I've heard, Gary Scott was probably your biggest rival on the dirt track side of things. Is that correct? Like talk about your rivals a little bit. Like who were those guys who you absolutely hated racing with, hated losing to uh, maybe like that guy, your biggest rival. I would have to be Scott because we were novices together and he was from Southern California and I was from Northern California and he was the guy, everybody, you know, all, you, you know, the Gary Scott's the guy to beat Gary Scott's the guy to beat. And so when I grew up with Gary Scott at 18 years old, 19, we were, he was obviously big enough to ride a triumph because he got one. Uh, and so we, you know, juniors together. So I was number one novice, number one junior. And I led the first year expert probably till mid season. And I got a bump at Houston, of course, but Daytona was so, so, but the real thing was Gary Scott, you know, he, him and me just had, he had enough talent to be there and race. And uh, I, I would have to say him more than anybody else. Now, me and Jay had our little thing at the end. Uh, Corky, you mentioned Moorhead. We all had races, but I think Gary Scott would have to be the guy that I hated. I just hated to lose. And uh, I would I would go out of my way to, uh, to beat Gary Scott. Matter of fact, one race, Terre Haute, Indiana, and it was a half mile. And Terre Haute, Indiana is kind of a longer straightaways and tighter corners. And that's when the, I could flick it sideways, stop it, and turn it and go. And them kind of racetracks the Yamaha would work. So I was setting Gary Scott up. I, I was passing him on the outside of turn three. So I knew the last lap he would move out. And I went underneath him. And I'm pushing him out to the marshals just a little bit to, to make sure he wasn't because, you know, he had a Harley. So and, and I heard an engine and I and I was coming out of the corner. And I heard this engine. I was like, look back. And Mert Lawwell is seeing the whole thing. and He knows what's going to happen. And so we're coming out of turn four heading to the finish line. So I just reached over. I knew he was going to pass me. I just reached over, grabbed his knee and pulled myself ahead of him. <laughs> and right at the 50 feet from the start finish line I let him go and he, <laughs> and he was laughing so hard 
in turn one, he almost fell off the bike. He couldn't believe he said, I've never, I wouldn't even dream of something like that. And I said, oh yeah, well, I knew you were going to pass me, but I did let him go. <laughs> That's incredible. So, so I have a segment I like to do and, and Corey's probably rolling his eyes right now, but, uh, it kind of it kind of alludes to what you just said though, but my segment's a little bit different because I'm I'm kind of an asshole. I mean, I, maybe that's why I've always <laughs> looked up to you because you kind of have that demeanor that people were kind of intimidated, I guess, by you a little bit. But so when you show up to a track and a guy needs to borrow a a, a sprocket or hey man, I, I need something, anything as minuscule as a cup of water, and Kenny says, man, fuck that guy. Who is that guy to you? And it could be one of the road racers also. I know you had some rivals in Europe, but flat track wise, is there a guy that showed up and you're like, you just, you wouldn't even give him a link for his chain if he needed it to make the main event? You know, I, I'd like to say Gary Scott, but I, I was never, I, I guess I was never fearful of, someone beat me no matter you know what uh what the situation was so i i probably wouldn't be upset about giving him some because i knew i was going to beat him anyway <laughs> Dude, that is... uh, so whether i did or not i always thought i could uh yeah but uh, also in road racing i mean i randy mamola came over as a young american and i let him follow me in practice and I'd let Eddie, you know, Eddie Lawson, all them guys follow me and I never shake them off. I never, the only guy that I wouldn't let follow me was Spencer. Interesting. And so, yeah. Any, so any particular that, reason? Well, because he was on Michelin tires and a Honda. And that is not a good combination when you're on Dunlaps and a Yamaha. Okay. And Fair so enough. I didn't, I didn't need to give away anything there. I mean, we raced you know, side by side a lot, but, uh, yeah, it, it was just, just that way. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't need to help him. He, he was fast enough on his own. That's still wow. awesome. Like the, the, I'm going to take that quote and just, that's gonna be my quote forever. Cause I just wasn't worried about anybody beating me. <laughs> no, is, yeah. I just, just wasn't, I knew <laughs> I didn't show him everything. Um, but 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 I I just had that about me. I didn't worry about it. Um, I love that. I, no idea. That's a good mentality, honestly. I I sort of I'm the same way. Like I want to race guys when they're at their best, when they're on their best equipment. If somebody's bike breaks and I have an extra, I don't care if you're my biggest competitor take the bike. Like I, I want to race and get better racing the best guys. Cause yeah, you put the work in you're confident in your ability. So that's, that's amazing to hear, you know, before I go into the road race side of things and uh, I want to briefly touch about some of your, your grand prix stuff, but you know, you're a grand, a grand slam winner. I think you're the second guy to ever complete the grand slam. I, uh, I think, I think that's correct. Dick man, I think was the first, but how does that rank up on your list of accomplishments? Um, you know, it's, it's still debated a lot in flat track right now, like the importance of the grand slam and, and for you, where does that sit on your trophy shelf? Is that one that you're, you're proud of and which, which, um, discipline, you know, short track mile, half mile TT road race, which one did you think was going to be the most challenging to get? Well, yeah, it's, 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 it, it got covered up 
when 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 somebody introduces you at a function, it's Kenny Roberts, three time world champion. They don't mention uh, two AMA championships, so or Grand National champion. They, they it kind of got the world championship kind of covered all that up. And of course the world doesn't recognize uh, that because I don't know why. Uh, and, and a mile was the worst one for me, be obviously because of all the damn Harleys and the Yamaha was, we're always struggling for, for the right combination, horsepower, traction, you know, you name it. Unless the track was really rough. I didn't really have much of a chance on a mile good enough to get maybe on the podium once in a while, but, but it, but it was a, it was a fight. Yeah. So the mile was the miles of the funnest for me, the mile was always the funnest thing to ride, but it, you know, again, I, I went through a lot of struggles with, uh, with equipment to, to, to win a mile. Well, I mean, yeah, granted. I mean, uh, it kind of falls into how people, even to this day, they're struggling because certain people have full race capable and designed engines against guys that took an engine off a production bike to to make it go fast. And I, I don't have any any claim to be as good as your engine builder guys, but I do have lots of experience building motors. And when you have to race against one that was designed to go into circles compared to one that was designed to sell on the showroom floor, obviously there's going to be, no matter what you do, you just cannot make a Yamaha have as big of a flywheel or a crankshaft as a Harley. So, um, but moving along quickly, cause I can talk dirt track with you till like next Friday, the, uh, the road race side of things. So you kicked everybody's ass over here. I mean, you know, speaking nicely, but, what was it, the driving factor that said, you know, I need to go to Europe? Was it just the inner need to kick everybody's ass in every form of racing? Or was it like Yamaha saying, hey, we want to see how good you go on the road? Like, what was the process leading up to going to Europe, you know, just summarizing it? Well, I don't know. It 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 started when I started doing 750 rounds. Uh, I had a run-in with Aggo at at Daytona, I had to slow down because the uh, at the the seven hundreds when they come out, they had aluminum head bolts, and one of the head bolts snapped off, and I was linking water. But so I slowed down. It got to like a hundred degrees, and I got it back down to like eighty five by slowing down. And I go one, and that really pissed me off. And of course he. You know, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. I was kicking his ass before that happened, and and that I said I don't. I they the press, the European press, but mainly Italians, said, uh, "What do you think? What do you think of uh, Giacomo Agostini?" And I said, "Well, I never I've never seen him win the 14 mile national at Ascot, so I I don't know if he's any good or not." And all oh, yeah, that lit off when I got to Europe. Kilker Brothers had to drag me. I was going to kill this one guy. He had to actually lock my arms and drag me away from the press. <laughs> that was at the airport. They didn't even wait till I was at the racetrack. So <laughs> I, I didn't have a very good feelings. Matter of fact, when I did the first world championship race was at Holland in 74. And I did a 250 race. And I was fast time. 
and I just passed uh, the leader, Walter Villa, on a Harley, and I spun it out because I didn't get it all the way into low gear to low gear hairpin. Like Kel Carruthers always told me, never slip the clutch. Well, <laughs> I did, and it spun out. I picked it up and rode around. The foot peg was off, so I couldn't go very fast, and I was waiting for the a second place guy was a Yamaha and he, he really shouldn't have been there. And so I, I'll wait till the last lap and I'll pass him and then everything will be fine. Well, they didn't give white flags out at Grand Prix. They give the checkered flag. That pissed me off as well. But I grabbed the microphone at the prize giving and said, I don't understand. There's thousands, hundred thousand people here. And we get paid absolutely shit. <laughs> and the guy trying to grab the microphone away from me and i was like man i'm going back to america where i can make a living and uh, and i sat down at the table and kel looks at me and he says you'll never ride another grand prix again and i said good <laughs> fine with me and i don't want anything to do with this fucking place and that and that's sort of how it started and it stayed that way until a meeting at Yamaha, and I thought they were going to set me down and say, okay, we're going to design a dirt track engine. And you can get number one. Quite the opposite. They said, we're going to quit dirt track because we can't build a, a, a race engine. And I, I was floored. I, I just couldn't believe they were giving up. And I didn't really understand the whole world at that time anyway. I live in my own little bubble, but I couldn't believe it. And they said, we have two options. You can go to Europe and we'll give you a bike and a hundred thousand dollars in parts. And or, or you can ride a Harley and we'll sponsor you here in America, uh, on our road racer. And I was, I was floored. I just couldn't believe it. And I, for whatever reason, the Harley thing, and then I, I never, I didn't like that. It, uh, you're mixing apples and oranges, and and just to win the championship, which which I felt I I could, but there's no certainty in that either. So I I really was tattooed Yamaha at that time, and and there was to to abandon Yamaha. I it just didn't set well with me at that time i don't know why i said okay damn it i'll go to europe and race and that's that's how it actually started i didn't want to go to europe i mean that's nothing to do. that's so much stuff that has not even been written in interviews with you ever and i had no idea that that yamaha did sort of things like that i mean the simple fact like i can't i'm i'm trying to wrap my brain around any manufacturer in the world, like supporting, like, can you imagine today's day and age of Rossi's like, Hey, I, I want to get a, you know, a Harley and race it and the Yamaha. Like that would, that would, that would go over like, like I don't even know. It wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it really didn't, you know, uh, and I don't know why it, it just didn't seem right to me. Uh, I seen Gary Scott do it. He'd have a triumph for TTs and the Harley for half miles and miles and a, whatever for short track and it's like well that it's just stupid in my opinion you know you go with a you go with a group of people and and you go and you try to win the world championship or the grand national championship 
and that was it. You know, it, it, I, at that time, I just didn't, I just didn't feel right about it. Well, it worked out for you. You know, you <laughs> yeah. were a th- three-time Grand Prix champion, 1978 to 1980. Uh, you mentioned some of the guys you've raced with. You know, it was it's kind of funny back then. It seemed like all the flat track background guys were the were the guys all competing for for world championships. Um, you know, in your opinion, out of those guys you raced with over in the Grand Prix. Who was the who was the toughest guy? Was it Freddie Spencer? You, you mentioned him. Like, who did you think was the most talented guy over while you were Grand Prix racing on those 500 CCs? Well, there were talented riders that that didn't get to to have the equipment to show that. Um, I think Greg Hansford comes to mind. Greg had an extreme amount of talent but rode a Kawasaki. So that meant he was on a 350 and a 250 and, and had no opportunity to, to jump up um, until later when they did make one, uh, but it was not competitive. So there was guys that had really natural talent. Sheen, Sheen was brilliant, but he was, really brilliant at a lot of things. He was very quick witted, very sharp, um, and very good with the sponsorship stuff. Obviously he was a number one athlete in Britain two years in a row. So that helped it. And when it, we were doing one of the match races and I said, look at all the go berry stickers on their license plates. And of course, somebody at the racetrack pointed out that that meant great Britain, you dipshit. And so I, I always thought it was go Barry. So, and, and we were rivals and, and we were rivals in the press, but on the racetrack, we never, we always give each other, you know, we, we didn't have that killer. I'm going to run over you asshole. And that, that's it. We, we respected each other and we, we loved racing each other. Uh, Freddie, I didn't have that. Uh, I didn't really have that with him. I, I only raced him th- that one year or two. I think it was two years. Uh, so I never really, I, I never had that with another rider. So Sheen was the guy. And of course, Gary Scott was the guy. And in the end, I was just happy doing what I was doing. And, and uh, obviously there was not another Barry. Man, that's, yeah, yeah, I've I've followed Barry um quite a bit. Mostly, you know, um um he didn't have uh did he have a dirt track background? I'm not too sure. I just followed him in his pro career. Of course, I'm young, a little bit older than Corey still, but um but you got to respect that guy. I mean, I hate to, you know, hate to know that he's gone, but um certainly certainly a a brilliant rider. Well, he was brought up a lot differently. Of course, he was brought up very young to do road racing. Dirt track was not his background. Although, at when he would come and do Talladega, Daytona, and and Ontario, we'd always be in the paddock racing mini bikes. Uh, so he he could ride on the dirt obviously wasn't proficient at it but but i but he understood it and he and he 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 was one of the riders that had 
the talent to go into the corner, the absolute max and kind of go through the apex and then come out fine. I wasn't that way. I couldn't do that. I would go in a little hotter, scuff off the speed, point it, shoot and exit. So we were totally different. I mean, one, of course he was bitching and I was Dunlap at the time I won the race in Argentina, 82, the first race of that year. And, and he, he says, I've tried the triple clamps that you're using and they're absolutely useless. And I looked at him, I said, that's because you steer with the front wheel and I steer with the back wheel. And he just looked at me and he goes, what? (laughs) (laughs) I just, it, it, it dawned on me then that he didn't really understand me. He didn't understand the dirt track uh, connection to, to me. And that, and and I I thought that was odd because he was, he won Grand Prix. I mean, he won two world championships. He wasn't stupid, but, but, but he, he just was able to take care of the sponsors, make a lot of money and, and the racing part or the theory of the racing part didn't really uh, interest him, let's say. Yeah. Had it, well, had it I probably never would have beat him. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, you were pretty innovative when it came to your riding style. I mean, you were, you know, steering with the rear rear wheel and kind of riding the Grand Prix bike like a flat tracker is uh it wasn't really seen much until you went over there so um it, it almost makes sense in a way but it's just kind of funny hearing you describe that um uh yeah it's just it's just crazy because there's still riders today that um don't understand the, the 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 psyche behind racing or the you know whatever the uh i don't know how to say but yeah they don't understand that part they just know how to twist the throttle and they do it well so yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to hear you say that. Do you actually um, do you follow MotoGP right now? Do you follow American Flat Track? What what series do you enjoy watching right now? Um, do you do you follow any of it? Uh, yeah, of course I do. Yeah, okay. I do. And uh, we uh, live down the street from from Arnie Wick, who has the bike that the kid won the on the on the Harley it isn't the pro class it's the the the, uh street bike class so i keep up with it through him and and other things and on the tv when it's on the tv and i have time to watch it yeah i do i i'd love to go to more of them i just uh and i just can't get away from the fishing and the golf (laughs) tough life you're living right now right yeah yeah uh who um so in this in this day and age of what you have seen and what you've noticed, whether it be flat track, road race, whatever, um, are there any riders currently right now that you're like, fuck, I'm glad I didn't have to race against him? Because one comes on mind would be like, you know, Marquez. Of course, we can go back and forth on generations because there's always, oh, my guy was faster than your guy. But, you know, if you had to road race right now against Marquez, you know, both of you in your prime, I mean, does he does he amaze you as much as he seems to everyone else, or is he just you know, yeah, I could beat him. Uh, no, I would never say that. 
I don't know. There was there were writers that came up, you know. Of course, Eddie, uh, and and Wayne Rainey. And I would have always loved to race Wayne at his peak because he was actually, you know, so proficient at at the thing. And I always thought that I was a little more aggressive on the throttle, and he was a little less aggressive on the throttle, but a little bit more finesse in the apex. So. I, I I thought about man that would be great. Now Marquez is another kettle of fish because the bikes now aren't aren't Wayne Rainey's bike, and 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 that's what I knew. I don't know about the bike that Marquez is riding. I know that not many people can ride his motorcycle, and that was the same way for me. None of the Japanese test riders could ride my bike because the steering head was too steep. Uh, it was too violent, shook its head a lot, and didn't have much grip in the in the apex. So in, in the rear, so it it it's different now. They they at a, such a lean angle that I'm not sure my style would have adapted to that. It, it's an unknown to me. Uh, it's something that that I think about a lot. If they, the Marquez is amazing as a writer, but could I have done that? I have no idea. I mean, I I can normally put myself in a. I could put myself in. A, okay, I'm going to ride like Dick Mann today, and I could do that. Or I'm going to ride, you know, like Cal Rayburn today. Uh, I could never say I was going to ride like Kel Carruthers, because Kel was so front end oriented and i when i found out that me and him had a 100 mile race with 250s at ontario and i could slide my bike around them because they were you know a left the left the left it was like a half mile or a mile even and i was sliding around kel and and he'd pass me back and he'd outbreak me or run in faster and and we just raced together. And the last lap, I come out on the straightaway in front, and he passed me down the straightaway and won the race. So in the, well, of course, he cheated. He had a different sixth gear than I did. <laughs> and he prepared my bikes. So uh, <laughs> we're in the inner circle, and I'm looking at his, he, he goes, God damn, my front tire's bald. And his front tire was absolutely bald. I had a tread on it. And and I looked at that and I looked at mine and I went, holy shit, my tap wore out. And then I looked at my rear tire and go, look, my rear tires wore out down to the cord. His rear tire was half wore out. And that, that right there, my bell went off. What the hell? What, what the hell? And that's when it, it started. I started realizing that I was a totally different rider than the, my protege who helped me all the way up to that point. And, and at that point it kind of didn't work anymore. I was a different, an animal than, than, than Kel was. And Kel was brought up at the Isle of Man and, you know, the, and trying to win all them Irish races on the street. And you had to be very precise. Well, I didn't, you know, I was never brought up that way. And of course, dirt track I was high, wide, handsome most of the time. And, and I don't know. It just all worked out. Now, whether that could work out again, I don't know. But I know Marquez spends a lot of time on a dirt tracker as a kid. Yeah. 
course, all the Spanish guys do now. So thanks to you, you know, it's a different world than 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 when I was uh, when I was doing that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely there's a lot of guys that are cross training in flat track. Marquez, Rossi. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know how much you follow American flat track right now. And there is a, a, a new rule change this year. I wanted to ask you about, but, uh, AFT opened it up the, uh, the production based engines, such as the Yamaha MT07, they can run traction control, um, front wheel sensors and, and, uh, and things of that nature. So what are your thoughts on traction control in flat track right now? Um, you know, and did you know that was a new rule? Yeah, I know. I, it, I don't. I don't think it's going to help them much uh, to to start with, obviously. But if 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 a Harley is in front of you, or an Indian now, and you've got traction control, and they have a heavy flywheel, they're going to be spinning the tire about probably ten percent and going forward. You're not going to be spinning the tire, but you're not going to be able to gas it either because the traction control says, oh, no, wait a minute, you're going to spin, so back off the power. So I'm not sure that most racetracks that's going to work. I, I, I tried all kinds of stuff when I was uh, racing dirt track. I mean, everything, water and a tire, all that kind of stuff, but but as soon as you, the Harley's leaving you in the corner, I couldn't say, oh, I, I, I'm not going to open it up anymore because it might spin. It just wasn't in my DNA. And I'm not sure that traction control is in that DNA either. So it's going to be real difficult to, to see how this works. It, it, I, I don't think it's going to be open and shut that it's going to be better it's going to be it's got to be a little better we developed traction control on the yamaha in 90 so just about after wayne so 95 96 and and it was ours was yamaha didn't really want to do it but we did it anyway and in the rain in the rain it it worked uh, of course, it stopped raining at all the races. So, <laughs> yeah, it 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 did work. It seemed to work really good in the wet. Now, Marquez has traction control, but he can light it up. So, what's better, being able to light it up when you need it, or not being able to light it up when you need it? So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that. Yeah, it's almost like a double-edged sword because, you know, um, like you said, if you, if you want it and you know how to use it, then, yeah, you're you're great and you're golden. But also, you know, sometimes you need to spin that tire to turn the motorcycle. Other times, if you're hooking and driving and your traction rolls kicking in, just from road race stuff, I've noticed, you know, you might be running a little bit wide on the edge of the corner as well. So there's – it definitely helped, like you said, just from watching the one race with JD, he got second to a big pack of Indians, but then the next day, you know, I don't know if the track necessarily changed that much, but whatever it was, you know, they obviously struggled a little bit more the second day. So I was happy to see a little glimmer of hope from those Yamaha boys. Um, 
but I don't think it's going to be the be all end all. Cause like I said earlier, there's nothing you can do to put, you know, massive flywheels in a Yamaha or, you know, the new street street style motorcycles. And the yeah. Indians almost got the same exact diameter flywheels as the XR. And that's, that's paramount in my opinion. Well, you know, it's funny that Honda was successful at dirt track when they bought Gene Merrill's Harley and took it to Japan. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, and, and before that, they just floundered. They were, well, it was, it was uh, just like building, uh, you know, street engine. They just floundered. So they bought the Harley, took it to Japan, and they came out with something that was better. So, it, it you know, traction control, it, Limited traction control is probably okay. Maximum traction control will work. So at most of the racetracks. So it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, but I don't think it's going to be, uh, oh, if you don't have traction control, you can't run the motorcycle. Now, we did when I left uh, road racing and then the four strokes came out, uh, it was... Oh, well, you don't need to do that anymore. Now, now the bikes don't, you don't have to slide the bikes anymore. Long comes Marquez, voila. Well, I guess you have to slide the bikes now again. So there was always the theory that you didn't know we don't have to slide them now. Petrosa was quoted that no, no, all, all the bikes now, you just, you can't ride like that anymore. And I just thought, wait a minute. What you're saying to me is, if you know how to ride a motorcycle better, it's not good. I I don't get it. I don't understand that. And no. of course, he was never world champion on a big I was, bike. So I was it, I was going to use Stoner as an example, also someone that knows how to slide a motorcycle and still well, exactly. You know, I mean, it it just it it just it it baffles me that that you can say something that stupid and the press don't call you out on it. I would have to say a lot of the press. So, that's why I'm not in the press, man, because I'll be getting kicked out of every single press conference there is, I promise you. Right. Well, you know, it, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like a golfer that can hit left and right to right and left and, and one that can hit straight. You know, Tiger Wood comes along, he can hit all the shots, and he, you know, set the world on fire. So yeah. yep. a lot of things in motorcycle racing – doesn't make sense to me so like moving ahead a little bit you know obviously uh you know we're we don't want to interrupt any golfing or fishing but what is kenny roberts doing right now motorcycle related like not necessarily the second but what makes you happy are you just riding street bikes are you building bikes are you tinkering are you out on the xr 100s oh, yeah. what, what what are you doing uh, the last bike i made was a tt 500 and it's a uh, pretty special bike it's uh aluminum frame I, I call it old meets new and i put the swing arm pivot i wanted to put a single shock on it with linkage so i put the swing arm pivot because the tt500 the swing arm pivot is too far away from the counter shaft sprocket yep yep i i put the swing arm pivot through the kickstarter hole and then i have the engine tilted to where i wanted the swing arm pivot with relationship to the sprocket to be and i was able to uh put the linkage off one of my 500 uh three cylinders on it and 
and a single shock. So, yeah, and it works great. It's probably the only TT500 that, that has that. And, you know, it's got all the bells and whistles. It, it's a cool bike. And, it- and, I, and I, I still build them in my garage. I got to lay the mill. Uh, I can weld them. I, I machined it all. I built the gas tank and seat. The seat holds the oil. It's aluminum. Uh, yeah, it's a nice kit. Is this like a little a flat track bike build? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how do we see this bike? Or is it super secret? No, no, it's not secret. It's sitting in my shop along with my 500 Grand Prix bike. All right, what's your address? So- I'm writing this down. Avenue, <laughs> <laughs> Arizona. So it's all here. Matter of fact, they had a swap meet or something this weekend. And for the, I did a favor for the guy putting it on. I took my my dirt track bike, the last one I used, the Yamaha 750, and the uh, and my 500 Grand Prix bike. So that was that's awesome. Got a lot of oohs and ahs. Of course, nobody knew who what the fuck they were, but some <laughs> of the guys that did really appreciated it. Yeah. That's amazing. I um I kind of ask a lot of guys this question just because I like the different answers that I usually receive. But um, Mount Rushmore of flat track racing. So if you had to put four guys on your Mount Rushmore for in the history of flat track, uh, past, current, who would that? Who would those guys be? Well, that's tough. I mean, if you if you if you strictly talent uh obviously the younger guys uh grew up a different era of writing than than mert and dick man dick man was a, one of the all-time greats on on all the yeah I, he was the first guy to win uh all all events uh i would have to say scotty parker goes in their J, of course um that there's there's many more merch it's, tough. Mer- it's so tough the, all there so it, it's a tough call but i would have to say them guys you know obviously harley weighs in that uh it's a, this is the era that i raced and saw the guys race so you know a, a guy who's no longer with us either what the hell and Bubba Schobert is still with us. He'd have to go up on that. Bubba was always great to watch. So Ricky, that uh, he raced Bubba, and and he was a great dirt track racer. So I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to pick four. But but <laughs> certainly them guys would be up there. We got a big ass mountain. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> What about Kenny Ricky Roberts? Grant was a great dirt tracker. Oh, I don't know. He'd be on the other side. He'd be a road racer, probably. <laughs> Not that I could ride a dirt tracker. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I got to agree with all those names. And actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I put a little teaser out earlier. And somebody, uh, I said, well, who, who do you think he's going to say that's as good as him? And uh, this guy... Um, he says, uh, oh, no, no, Kenny Roberts is, is the greatest, but the GOAT goes to Dick Mann. I said, well, Dick Mann, he's good at everything, but he doesn't have that world championship trophy like Kenny's got. And he said, well, I bet Kenny will still say his name. And, and I had to eat a little bit of 
eat a little bit of crow just then because I didn't think you were going to say Dick Mann because I love you know Dick Mann's his accomplishments and everything and he's a great rider but I wouldn't have put him on the same same pedestal. Um, but it's, you've got to have that world championship to me and and you know that goes to you and that goes to Nikki and you know. I'd, I'd love to see Marquez come over and ride some dirt track stuff. Cause I know a lot of people talk smack, but he's one of those riders you can just watch and he knows how to use the throttle hand and whether he saves a bunch of wrecks or not, the dude has got some talent. I mean, anybody that can didn't show up at a short track and, uh, and put it on Brad Baker and um, Jared Meese has got my respect. No, he can ride a dirt tracker very well and he wouldn't have any trouble. Now I've trained a lot of, Japanese at the ranch when I when I had the ranch and and I can tell you that that there's a, quite a few people that that can I trained a little kid and he races a little 250 class now or Moto three uh, Tatsuki Suzuki and he's very proficient at at dirt track very proficient I think he's wasted his time on on Moto three. But it, it it's going to be interesting to see him come up the ranks because he's he's won a few Grand Prix and he's he does jump off the bike occasionally. But that's that I I kind of knew that by training. I think I trained him for five six years something like that. Well, I'd love to keep you on forever, man. I know you're you got some stuff going on. I have one more quick segment. It's called the higher low line, and basically this or that. I'm just going to fire off. Um, one or the other, uh, pick one and sort of, uh, if you want to give me an explanation on, on why you pick that, go ahead, but, um, we'll keep it short. I only have a couple for you. Uh, best TT Ascot or the Astrodome? Uh, Ascot. Okay. Uh, what was better winning the world championship as a rider or winning it as a team owner? Uh, obviously a rider. <laughs> obviously Corey. <laughs> <laughs> uh aluminum dirt track frame or a steel dirt track frame it depends on what you uh, whether they ama would ban it or not <laughs> <laughs> i love that answer <laughs> <laughs> always thinking uh this one was from Chuck. He said Indian curry or Japanese curry. Well, these are all from Chuck, but yeah, Indian curry or Japanese oh, curry. Yeah, definitely Indian. <laughs> Indian curry. I love it. And last one we got for you. What is your all-star front row on a cushion half mile? If you could line up, let's just say three other guys on a cushion half mile that you'd love to go bar to bar with, who would those guys be? Well, Jay and... Bubba, Scotty, that that would be the the uh, fast time. That that would get rowdy. I that would I... get gnarly. <laughs> Wait, I have rowdy. I have one final one too, though, real quick, sir. Uh, I just got to know because I have to ask this always too. Like, what was the biggest pile of shit you ever rode? Like, what are you like, man? I not necessarily. I'm not wanting you to answer with the TZ, but it could have even been like an amateur bike. But you're like, man, get me off of this pile of shit. What would that be? Probably the first, uh, the first Monoshock 750 dirt tractor I built. Is that the one with the mag what? wheels and the funny tail section? Yep. What a hunk of shit. 
<laughs> but, but you built it yourself, so you can laugh at that. Built, built, yeah, and and I wrote it, and and I think I probably won a couple of races on it, but but man, it was it was a piece of shit. Why? The, yeah, there was no covering it up. Uh, toward the end of the year, we, we were able to put some stuff together, uh, and it and it was working okay. But the 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 shocks were never good enough to to be competitive you think with a more modern style shock with was i mean i'm sure you could talk about it for hours but was it just the shock technology wasn't up to the chassis technology at the time uh well yes basically we use the 250 shock because i'm very bright i i uh knew that the s and w shocks that worked on a 250 also worked on a dirt tracker. So when I built a, a uh, mono shock, I said, well, we use the 250 mono shock because that, that's the same dampening rate. I didn't realize at that time that the goddamn dirt tracker weighed 100 pounds more than the little 250. And so we had to double the spring rate. And the the little 250 just it, the little shock just couldn't only get hot and then it all the dampening to go away so uh it took me a while to figure that out man that's oh learned, but i did learn it hey as long as you learned it that's all that counts <laughs> no when 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 yamaha went to olin shock it changed my life that and brimbo breaks oh okay. you're speaking my language yeah that, that changed the that changed the way I could ride a road racer. Wow. Man, as oh, much as I'd man. love to sit here all night long and shoot the shit, so we got to figure out a way to get him to a race and just come hang out. That's what that's gonna be my goal. Is uh, I mean, I know I know we can get sponsorship for plane tickets. Not that you need it or want it or anything, but we're Sacramento. Sacramento is uh, we're supposed to race Sacramento what? later in the year. Maybe Wait, hold on. Why don't we real quick? If, if hypothetically, if you were to come to a race, which would be the one that you would want to see the most? Uh, the closest one. <laughs> to Arizona? Yeah. Well, they don't, we don't do Arizona I, I went anymore. I Arizona about three or four years ago, and, and it was a total fuck-up. They didn't the, have enough water trucks. Oh. That was a that mile, was my first podium. It? That was my first podium. <laughs> was, that, was that the... Uh, I, I spent most of the time getting lap times on the fucking water truck. <laughs> <laughs> that was Arizona it, Mile. It, yeah. They they do not know how to run dirt track. I'm sorry to say <laughs> it, but they it, it would be like going to Wimbledon on the grass courts and someone put a two inches of sand on it. And <laughs> and they would try to play tennis on it. That's what most of these dirt tracks that I see are a lot of them do. They just do not know how to do it. And it's a shame because it, it hurts the riders and it hurts our industry. Well, I'm going to tell Absolutely. Steve Moorhead, you said that. Steve Moorhead was in charge that day. You, you'd have to tell him. He, 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 I don't, it's either the budget isn't good enough to have four water trucks yeah. and four tractors to make the track right or they won't let him do it. But so tracks, I know he knows how to make a track, 
But so when you when you I have a bone Kenny, to pick it, with him anyway. He comes up to me before I did the <laughs> exhibition at Indy, and he says, "Hey, Kenny," he said, "the inside's black, the middle's uh, kind of wet, and the outside's really rough." I'm going, "Oh shit!" Oh, <laughs> thanks, Steve. That's great. So so what do I do? Not go out? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. You got oh. shit, shittier, and shittiest. Yeah, yeah, day. yeah. It's, it's, it's really slick in the middle, and then and it's really deep on the outside. And I'm going, oh, shit. Well, thanks for the info, man. That and, really, that really yeah. helped. And I here's the most dangerous bike cold. in history. Yeah. Oh, God. It, was, it worked out. But, uh, man, I was like, God damn. Thanks for telling me that. So, wow. track prep, track prep for you guys, I mean – a lot of the tracks I've seen, you guys had pretty decent track prep. It looked like, I mean, I'm sure there were some shitty ones too, but you know, it is kind of, it, I look at old videos of, of y'all racing and the hay bales and we're spoiled now with the air fence and all that. But yeah, I just, uh, well, so you know, the, the, the main thing for me was, of course I had a Yamaha and everybody said the same thing. You can ride a rough track because you need your you shitty bike. And I was like, no, I I'm thinking about, 14,000 people sitting in them seats watching us race around a one inch notch, which is, you might as well go watch a goddamn, uh, well, NASCAR race or something that just follow the leader. And I said, well, look, we got to prepare the track where we can pass. Oh, that's because you like, it's like, well, no, you know what I really like? I like spectators beating the door down to get a ticket to next year's race man that's yeah I, I agree that's man I, I i like making money and i can't make money if nobody comes to the goddamn race <laughs> so you know and man. i never figured, never so, figured out better let it notch up so oh, for future why don't we just go home and eat ice cream what are we doing so for future reference i'm going to take kenny roberts out to dinner get him a few drinks and we're gonna uh you're, I got you fired up. We and Corey got you fired up. I love this. So that is Kenny's nerve right now is, is track prep. Even after all them years being off a dirt track bike, track prep is still what gets your blood pressure going. And I think that is so fucking same, badass. Same, same. Well, that is. It, 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 everybody else ignores it. Yeah. Yep. I, love I, it. I, I, just, I just, I hate going to a race and watching everybody follow each other. It's like, oh, Jesus. So, God. Well, so Corey, real quick before we finish, then should we not bring him to Sacramento? You think that's going to be a little groove? I mean, it's probably a notch groove. I mean, probably. if if anything, Lima Lima would be a good one, or uh, or or like Springfield Mile. I yeah, mean, but I, I don't know. Yeah. We can't send him to Lima because then Jared Meese will be like, "Oh, I got Kenny Roberts at my race," and he would still charge <laughs> Kenny Roberts full price. Exactly, <laughs> Oklahoma City. That's not too oh, far from Arizona. No, that's not and too that's bad. A, that's a cushion OKC, mile. Yeah. Cushion, yeah. We're going to work on this. There. We're, we're yeah. going to work on this. So don't expect okay. us to contact you again at some point. All right. No problem. That's awesome. Uh, we had fun, Kenny. Water, just get an extra water truck or two to Moorhead. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it. It was we'll such a pleasure. Collar. So fun. Yeah, a lot of all fun, right. Kenny. Thanks thanks for coming on. I, I want to get you on again. I want to hear about some of the New Year's parties and all that stuff, too. So I definitely want to catch up with you again in the future. All right. All right. Nice talking to you. Thank no you. problem. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Yep. See ya. Whoa. Dude. Dude. <laughs> Dude. Oh Dude. man, I love that guy. Like, Dude, I, that I, was fun. 
Dude, we got him fired up at the end. (laughs) I'd I'd love to just hang out with him and and drink a beer and shoot the shit. Like, what a what a knowledgeable but no bullshit dude. He's like my spirit animal. Dude, I I swear. Like, you talk about track pride, but he got he went he got to the rev limiter. (laughs) Yeah, he'd fit in with our with our group pretty well. Oh my god, for sure. What a legend! And like we like like I just said, there's so much to talk about. I, I feel like I say that with a lot of guests, but man, we could probably have him on for three or four episodes called the Kenny Roberts Chronicles and just so much, dude. And he was so cool about telling us a lot of I stuff. Know. Like, well, and he even said, he's like, well, that's because nobody's ever asked me these questions before. Like, how fucking cool is that? Like, yeah, like we've never heard this before. Well, because nobody fucking asked before. Like, dude, we put yeah. to bed so much stuff that nobody else has even done. Like that is, that's legit. That's badass. Mm. Yeah, fun show. We want to get Kenny Roberts Jr. on uh, at some point as well and get some insight oh. because, yeah, Ke- Kenny Roberts Sr. world champ, Kenny Roberts Jr. world champ. So we're going to get Jr. on here in the in the near future as well. Imagine um, that, too, the segment. What's it like having a world championship champion as a dad and just, oh, and, wow. Yeah, a lot of good stuff, man. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's chat, man. A- anything else on your mind? Not a heck of a lot going on. Obviously, we're sitting idle here waiting for the for the season to get back underway but um yeah you you shut down the uh the flat track for him man like uh oh my god yeah man well you're single-handedly responsible for now now if nobody has anything to do during the day they can't sit around and and talk about framers and shit bro. <laughs> i know well it it wasn't really on purpose either i just like you know i i don't ever like to do that cross generational thing i guess is the best way to put it like oh well so and so was better during my age and so and so was better this and so and so is that now of course there's always gonna be your greats like kenny roberts but like a certain well-respected i mean i'll just say his name because i'm not no fucks to give but you know mike kidd and i got into a pretty heated debate and i'll never take any way away from his writing his skills as a promoter but you know he made a comment and i i'm not sure if i took it out of context or what i had people on both sides messaging me but basically the way I read it was that it was a lot harder and it meant a lot more to win a grand national championship back in his day. And I'm like, well, yeah, their point is that there was a lot more racers. Well, my point is, you know, Jared Meese could have very well won a grand national championship on a 19, you know, 81 XR 750 had he been alive. Same thing with Briar. same thing. I mean, Sammy Halbert would have won races back then. So, you know, and long story short, it got heated, man. I mean, I'm talking about like one step below me getting death threats. Like I probably won't have half the, the vintage guys show up at my race in Greenville because of that. But you know, yeah, but fast forwarding a week, bro, you took it over from me, man. There's like 190 comments on your post today. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? (laughs) It's like one of them things that it, it's been going on for a while. The, like the production twins that we, we haven't gotten the coverage that, that the other classes have gotten. And I understand the super twins is the premier class. I've said it on this podcast multiple times. It's a damn shame. There's only 12 guys. Cause it takes away from the talent level of Briar and Jared and B Rob and Sammy and Bronson and the other guys that are out there, JD that are competing. Um, but at the same time, the racing evolution was spectacular in the production class and 30 seconds out of the hour coverage highlight reel, it just doesn't sit well with me, especially with the action that um, th- like the race was really good. And I just, I just felt like 
more than 30 seconds was warranted. Like take away the semis, like they're boring to watch in person. You know, it's um, let alone showing the semis. show the, show some different riders, some different manufacturers, sponsors, um, et cetera. So yeah, I was just speaking my mind and yeah, some other guys spoke their mind and that's all good. I, I you know, I, I, I don't mind it. I'm, I'm not going to fucking sit around and not say what I want to say. Like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not that guy. That's going to not speak my mind. I I've scaled back quite a bit, but if something, if something makes me, it makes me, uh, you know, pissed off, I'm going to comment on it. So. Oh, for sure, man. And, and I, I mean, I get, I get both sides of the story for sure. I mean, I want from speaking from a team owner and production twins myself, you know, of course I want as much exposure for my rider as possible, just like your team owners wanted a little more. So I do agree, like, the 30 seconds thing was a little hard pill to swallow, being that, you know, we've already – I know for a fact I've already got, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars invested. Um, but the uh, the downside to um, – the downside to that is that, you know, the Super Twins is a premier class, but I think a good compromise – you know, I'm certainly not telling AFT how to do their job or NBC or anybody, but, you know, it's kind of like you go and you watch a NASCAR race. Well – people keep comparing that but there's only one race just like in MotoGP, there's only one race that is on right now there's not the nascar you don't have the the trucks racing the same day so maybe like you said cut out the semis because nobody really watches nascar qualifying i mean i'm sure there are some diehards that do but well dude you know, there's six guys in each supers to win semi like i hate to be that guy but we you're gonna see these same guys do the same thing in the main event so yep. You know, the production twins main event, it's eight minutes plus two, throw in some commercials in the middle of that race. You're really, you're only sacrificing probably five minutes of, uh, of showing more of that race and don't even have to show the entirety of it. Just more than, you know, I think they showed like the last lap, like, you know what I mean? So yeah, it is what it is. Um, guys have their opinions. I respect everybody's opinion. I'm just gonna, I'm going to say mine as well. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I'm glad I could kind of, use my my race page to take over the the uh the controversy on the socialist week <laughs> but... i had like five people no doubt messaging me like hey wh- are you gonna get in on that and i'm like mm, you were included i'm like you know what let me just see how this one plays out because it it's kind. Fine, i gotta be honest man. it's kind of fun looking at it from the outside and i'm like part of my mouth is watering the other part's like oh well this is good to watch some and not not yeah. get in it but uh but no, 100%, you know, there's valid points on all sides. And, you know, the the friend of Corey, obviously, I'm going to have your back, but I'm also a co-team owner in the same class, so I certainly do uh, do do get it. But uh, maybe uh, we can send some constructive emails to AFT and see if anything yeah. might change on the production side of things. Cause uh, I, don't th- I, th- I think that it's pretty much it is what it is. And that's okay. Like, I'm still going to speak my opinion. Like, we have a lot of talented riders and production twins, and I'm kind of tired of people shitting on the class. Like, uh, the, the, ta- the riders in our class, like, we have two former single champions in Dalton and Bromley. We have, you know, a multiple-time Daytona 200 winner in Danny Eslick. We have a super talented all-around rider in Johnny Lewis. We have, you know, Chad Coase, who's been on the podium in the premier class. Ryan Varnes, Ben Lau you know, uh, younger, you know, horizon award winners, you know, Pat Buchanan, uh, former national number. We have a lot of talent in that class and, you know, it's, it's just, um, yeah, it just gets frustrating. You know, guys want to talk shit about it. Well, I mean, the, the, the talent in the class and the teams, uh, you know, I think it speaks for, it speaks for itself, but no, it's all good. It is what it is. I'm, I, uh, 
I'm not sweating it, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to voice my opinion when it's my livelihood. And, and uh, I have a platform. Like, I think regardless, it was good to see Jared Meese comment on it. It's good to see opinions from other riders. You know, I, I think I, you know, whether or not I disagree with some of these riders, it's good for them to show their personalities a little bit more and, uh, and speak, speak how they feel. So oh, for yeah, sure. something I definitely want to see more of. Well, just with all the comments on your post alone, it means that, you know, if those people share it and some people else share, it, that's the only way to really get the word out more. So you do have a great platform for that. So I think, uh, you know, and you've built that, you, you have built that platform, which is, you know, core texture racing and, and, um, you know, the fact that your team knows that you also see the value that, that they need to get a little bit more for their money, maybe, but We'll, and we'll that's see. the biggest thing too. It's I, I could honestly, I, I promise you, I could care less if I'm on TV. Like I race because I, I want to, I like the competition. I like the challenge of racing and, and it's a career for me, but I could care less about the clout of being on TV, but my, my guys, my team, my sponsors, they deserve more than 30 seconds. Like they spend all winter at their homes, building, building these bikes, spending thousands of dollars, not getting any return. Um, it was just a shame for them, you know, how bummed out they were that they weren't on. Like I saw it and I was like, yeah, whatever, fuck it. And um, just talking with my team and how, how bummed they were after how much work they put in, um, that bummed me out. And that's kind of why, why I posted uh, what I did. And I know AFT, um, some of them aren't, aren't happy about it, but I'm not happy. So fuck, like, you know, you're not happy. I'm not happy. So it is, it is what it is. We'll move forward. I, I want the sport to grow and I want what's best for the sport. Just some of us have different opinions on what is actually best. So, um, yeah, so that was fun. Interesting. I, you know, it's good. Uh, kept me busy for a little bit today. <laughs> um, <laughs> In other words, you didn't get shit then. No, I did. I went on a bicycle ride. We actually did. Um, we're filming. Um, we went fast on Instagram, Brett Smith. We're filming a PW 50 documentary and I had them out today filming some video of Cruz riding his PW and, and, uh, and that, so that, that was something we've, we've been working on a little bit, getting Cruz ready. He's going to, his first race is actually going to be Springfield short track on his fourth birthday. So no uh, way. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. So you got it all cheated up or what? Cause you know, the PW dads, they're going to tear your ass down. So you better be ready to pull the top end off, son. I ain't pulling shit off. That's what you, that's what I'm going to sign you up for. It takes me an hour and a half to clean the carburetor on his bike. Um, oh boy. Yeah. But no, I just want to give a shout out to all of our listeners. Uh, we appreciate it. April 2nd and 3rd. We have the Easter bash, $7,000 purse in Shippeshwana. How do I say this? Shipshiwana, Indiana. Tickets available at eventbrite.com. Two days of motorcycle and quad racing. That's um, RPM promotions. Jeff hires. Make sure you, you check that out. April 2nd and 3rd, $7,000 purse in Shippeshwana. How do you, do you I have say no that, idea. I have no idea. Dude, I do not know. Shipshiwana, Indiana. Just look up um, RPM promotions and it'll, it'll Facebook, spell it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely look, out. look, look them up. Two days of motorcycle and quad racing. Uh, we appreciate the promoters that, uh, that, uh, that reach out to us. And yeah, so uh, make sure you check that out. April 2nd and 3rd, you know, Bell Power Sports, big sponsor of ours. Check them out, bellhelmets.com. Hit them up on social media, Moto America. Check out the schedule, attend the race, support them. Check them out on social media at Moto America. And uh, if you can't make the events, subscribe to their Live Plus package. Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield, 
commercialroofsystems.net. We really appreciate Jerry and all he does for the sport and Dunlop Motorcycle Tires. Win those tires, that giveaway. Listen to the earlier part of the show. Post something on social media of your bike outfitted in Dunlop Motorcycle Tires. Tag the podcast page, tag Dunlop. Get my attention and you will win a set of brand new R5, F5 flat track tires. Um, That's all I got, Rob. I don't have anything else oh i wanted to give a shout out to springsteen man jay springer he was uh i wanted to do it last week but we were at the uh at the race in volusia and he walked all the way down the hill to come say hi to me during the middle of the event and uh and thanked me for for having him on the podcast uh, anytime springer comes out and says hi to you it's like a good luck thing because I, I went out and I, I won my semi won the main event so uh, shout out for shout out to Springer for for coming and saying hi to me. He's a legend. Bad. He's like he's like one of the all time coolest dudes in flat track, bar none. There's no like, yeah. just and and the thing that sucks or nothing suck, but I sh- I guarantee you right now he could probably suit up at Springfield, and he, he might not have the endurance anymore. But you give him five laps, he'll be in the top five. I I would bet a hundred bucks right now. I'll bet you a million he finishes top twelve. Well. I don't have a million to bet you, but I'm pretty safe. <laughs> There's bet. Only 12, 12 what, wait, guys. what if we've got, well, even if we had a few wild cards, he still, he could, he could oh, do it for sure. Yeah. All, jo- all jokes aside, he's, he's scary fast for, uh, and that's what builds to his legacy is just like, he, yeah, like you said, he could legit come out right now and, uh, and whoop some ass. Um, I mean, he's got to be 70. Cause I know he quit racing when he was like 65. He his his AMA hard card said like 45, but that dude's <laughs> on up there, but that's just how bad he is. Uh, you, I think it was the 2000 Springfield mile when he won his last race. I want to say he was like almost 50 then, you know? So it's like, yeah, he's, well, K- K- Kenny Roberts, I don't know if I can age drop him, but we're, he's 69 uh, from what I read on his Wikipedia page. So I would say Springer's probably, dude, and he like just raced the Bull Taco, the fight club last yeah. year. Yeah, he's he's such a man. Like all these guys that we have on the legend dudes, man. Like I hope I'm walking when I'm that age, and they're still out there kicking ass. Like, ah, uh, no kidding, it's dude. No crazy. Kidding. I get out of bed in the morning, and I gotta str- I gotta like stretch for a good ten minutes before I can get going. So I can't imagine. Um, but mm. yeah, we appreciate you guys. Thanks again for listening to the pod. As always, check us out: SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. We appreciate you. Kenny Roberts, what a show. We will keep it rolling. Make sure you tune in for what's next. Rob, thanks for uh, coming on as always. We out. So, so amazing. Later.